Easy. Ja, ja. Daar is Klaassen. Hello and welcome to podcast 71 from Football Aranya, your home of Dutch football. Your home of Dutch football, despite all of what's going on at the moment with the coronavirus pandemic affecting all sorts of football, not only Dutch football. But today we're going to focus on its impact on Euro 2020 becoming Euro 2021. The Eredivisie season, is it over now? Can it be rescued? I'm Michael Statham and I'm with Mike Bell, the Football Anya editor, to discuss all of this and answer your questions you sent in on Twitter. You are listening to us via YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes or Football Nation Radio. Make sure you give us a like, comment to let us know how you're doing. How are you surviving in all of what's going on at the moment? Is it affecting you? Is it affecting your love of football as well? We're missing it very dearly. Please do let us know. And of course, subscribe to us if you're a new listener. Enjoy. Mike, it's good to chat to you again about Dutch football. Um, there's plenty of things we need to digest and we need to discuss because there's so many grey areas still uh, within Dutch football as to what's going to happen in the next month, two months, three months and the start of next season. So, of course, Euro 2020 has been um, postponed for a year uh, to the major disappointment of all us football fans who have got to put up with a lack of football already and then the big tournament we've all been waiting for has been put back a year. So frustration for Netherlands football fans, but also for Eredivisie fans who uh, are kind of left in the dark because what is the latest date at the moment for the restart of the Eredivisie season? Can it be concluded in time? Well, it's all really up in the air at the moment. I don't think there's a definitive answer to that so far. The KNVB are saying something different from what the Dutch government are saying. Um, Dutch government are saying no group activities till June, but the KNVB are still thinking that they could start up earlier than that, um, basically playing football behind closed doors. They seem to have three options at the moment, which are play behind closed doors with no fans, um, wait until you know the summer, June time, then try and get it all done um, really quickly. And the third option is basically just to say, that's it, the season's over. Um, positions are what they are at the moment. There's no champion, no relegation, start the season next year with um, two teams from the second division getting promoted and to go next year with a 20-team league um, and European places would be decided by positions that they are now so Ajax will go straight into Champions League group stages, AZ into the qualifiers and so on and so on. Um, but right now it's just wait and see. I think there'll be more news over the next week because the, I think the KMVB are still holding out for maybe returning to training in April and um, that was you know, very unlikely at the moment since no other league in Europe is, is doing that. Um, so we just need to wait and see what the actual answer is in the next couple of weeks. There's many different options then. And yeah, the the training date is really re unrealistic. The Netherlands is suffering heavily with uh, the, an epidemic in their country. Um, a lot of deaths already. So training's not looking likely. And many leagues are putting back further and further the dates of resuming. And that, that then, of course, shortens the time where they can finish the season before the start of the next season. And with the World Cup being in 2022, they're already having to move dates to shift and adjust for that. So you're compressing a lot of the time in between. There won't be much time for pre-season and the like. What do you think is like the, the right option? What would you do, Mike, if you were in that position? Would you just cancel the season or would you try and rush to finish it behind closed doors? It's difficult because the fan in me wants me to see the season finished because it was going to be very exciting 
um, what would happen between you know AZ and that Ajax at the top, and you know who's going to be champion there in the relegation battle. Um, but I think your head says you know to end it now. The positions are what they are, and go again next season because you've also got the issue of contracts as well. And this is getting into a very big grey area where you know a lot of contracts are up on June thirtieth. Um, for instance, Hakim Ziyech, Ajax is moving to Chelsea, and if they were to say try and get the league done in the summertime, what happens with Ziyech? Does he leave for Chelsea on July first, or does he stay and complete the season with Ajax? There's all these grey areas where there's a lot of clubs that have players that are out of contract. You know, I've seen Ado Den Haag recently say that there's eight or nine players that are out of contract in the summer. Um, so many grey areas. Whereas I know FIFA were saying that they could extend this and change things and prolong the transfer window, but there's just so many issues that that would cause, I think. So the most sensible option would be just to cancel the season now and go again from the real date in, in August. Um, it's frustrating for the clubs that were there, but then to make it fair, you know, the top two in the second version come up and you just basically say there's no champion because it wouldn't be fair to say Ajax are champion because their goal difference is better than AZ when AZ have beat them twice this season. Um, so yeah, I'll just cancel it and go go again next year. We've been asking for your thoughts on Twitter and your questions and what's going on. And one of them was from Josh. After the current situation has got better, season should be ended with Ajax versus RZ. Winner takes all. It won't happen, but it would be great to watch. So, I mean, if, if, if they can get the season back on track and you can get players back in training... Why can't there be some sort of system of playoffs which kind of settles the positions? Because you raise a good point. Ajax and RZ are level on points. Ajax are ahead on goal difference, but RZ have beaten them twice. Why can't there be some sort of playoff then to decide final positions? Would that be an idea that you'd be interested in? I mean, the same will go for relegation as well, because it could help decide who's, who goes up and who goes down. Because would a 20-team league be sustainable? Especially when the Netherlands have already talked about reducing it to 16 teams. Yeah, I mean... It'd be exciting anyway. Um, I don't really know how in the end it would work. Would you just it would be relegation style one at the end of the season? Say the teams that are in the bottom three right now play off against the ones in second division. Um, you know, is it fair on say Feyenoord who right now are in exceptional form and if it continued the season and to the end they could have easily just gone on a the streak that they're on now and finish second. I mean, if you say it's basically between AZ and Ajax because they're alive on points, it's not very fair to the final. I think there'd be a lot of criticism of doing that. I think that teams like Feyenoord and the PSV will be aggrieved and you know could end up in lawsuits and all this area. It's very, very complicated to go down that route as well. I mean, there's no answer to it that's fair for every single team. Um, I wouldn't want to be at the KNVB right now trying to figure it out. There are people that have paid a lot of money to make these big decisions. And it's so frustrating because we can't see the future on this whole global situation to make a sensible decision until things unfold. And I, I think that's the problem that, of course, many leagues have. There's a, a fight to try and find some certainty in these uncertain times, as are with many situations um, outside of football too. Um, let's try and have a sort of light-hearted approach to this then. So in our podcast today, I think it's also right that we talk about Euro 2021 and the Dutch national team's uh, actual one-year delay 
you put an article on the website, didn't you, Mike, about how actually it could be a positive for the Dutch national team, Ronald Koeman, to have another year to prepare because of the, the, the injuries that they were having. And also it gives younger players a chance, doesn't it, to have a other year of development uh, to make that team stronger. And one of the questions from, uh, who was it from, at Satsmundin, what is your expected 11 by the time Euro 2021 starts? So there could be loads of positives here, couldn't there, Mike? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there's obviously a negative approach to it as well, but I think that the positives are way that. You know, having Memphis back, having Malin back, Bergvine, having another year for some of the youngsters to come through, like Vindal, um, I had her in Stengs, but I do. These players will only get better over a year. And they look at players that are not in exactly top form at the moment, you know, Delict and, and Frankie de Jong have been getting criticism for some of their performances for Barcelona and Juventus. That gives them another year to to get back to the best. And then obviously Kuman then has another year to figure out his problem positions as well as the goalkeeper situation and who to choose. You know, that gives him another year to figure that out and a right back. You know, there could be somebody emerging over the next 12 months or you know, somebody like Dumfries could just continue to grow and grow because he's, before the, you know, the virus ended the season, he was coming into some top form. So that gives him another year to show that he's the man to do it. And then somebody like Karstorp as well gets another year. So yeah, I think there's plenty of positives. The only negative that I've seen put forward is that, you know, Van Dyke and, and Van Aldum are in peak form this season and what could happen in a year's time. And obviously more injuries could come over the next year and it could be somebody like Frankie or Delict, hopefully that doesn't happen, but one of them could get injured. But yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely a positive to have somebody like Memphis back. It is. And I think that he'll uh, still be spearheading a Netherlands attack this time next year as well. Um, so as as to going on to our lineups then, for me, I, I was picking up the ages of certain players because this in, in the summer of next year, You've got two goalkeepers who are in their 30s. Uh, Jasper Silas will be 32. Marco Bizzo is 30, which you wouldn't expect for someone who seems to be developing into a top player now. Plus, yeah, Van Dijk will be turning 30 in the tournament. Um, but at the same time, De Ligt will be turning 21. So he's going to start coming into the peak of his career then. Frank de Jong and Turncote Miners could be 24, 23, respectively. So they're coming into a good age uh, to be at a major tournament. So for me personally, I've gone with either Silicon or Bizot in goal. I think they'll be uh, fighting out for that position. I think it depends who has the most playing time going into next season as to who goes for the number one goalkeeper spot. I don't think you'll see much change with Van Dijk, De Ligt in defence and De Jong in midfield. But the tricky part for me has been selecting who goes around this core of players, who, who goes in the fullback slots and the winger positions. Uh, so I'd be interested to see who you've gone with, Mike. But for me, the left-back position could be up to Ovejan if he can develop in the next year and take the position off Blint. Uh, the right-back spot, Denzel Dumfries is the only obvious choice for me, but that could change in a year's time. You could have someone come up out of the blue. Uh, for example, here Trouder at, at, at Feyenoord, but I don't think that he has a potential to go and become a Netherlands starting right-back. Or Frimpong at Celtic. I don't think he has potential yet. And for me, the, the wingers could be any of a host of names. Again, it just depends who's in form, I think. But Berkvine, if he has a good season at Spurs, could be 
uh, starting option. Promes, uh, but then also Marlon and Boadu could fit in as well, depending if Memphis is then put out on the wing, if Marlon or Boadu have a particularly good season as a striker. But then there's left-field options as well. You've got uh, Klauvertz, who could come back in, into the running, and Mohitada, who's, you know, after another season with PSV, could be the number one choice off the right wing. So I'll be interested to see who you've gone for, Mike, but I, I couldn't decide who my wingers would be. But I think those core options would remain the same, it, with the inclusion of turncoat miners midfield. Yeah, for me, I've basically picked two options for each position. Um, goalkeeper, I agree. I think it's between Bezo and Silas enough. Right now, I prefer Bezo, but we'll see what happens in a, a year's time. Um, the only one I could really come into that running is Justin Bielo of Feyenoord. He's been really good since he's come back from injury. Um, Defence, yeah, Van Dijk, De Ligt in the centre. Um, Dumfries is really, for me, the only option right now at right back, but then you do have Hattabur and Karlsdorp. We'll see what happens with them too. For left back, it's got to be blend, I feel. But then Vindal's the one that I think is going to progress a lot over the next year. I mean, there's talk of him going to Ajax. If they lose Tagore Fico, I think that Vindal will eventually become... Netherlands number one left back. Um, we'll see if that happens over the next year. In midfield, Frankie stays there. <clears throat> Bad move. Wijnaldum deeper. I'd play him where he plays basically at Liverpool alongside Frankie de Jong. Um, I think Coop Miners would be the, the backup instead of Stripman or Durin. Um, at number 10, I'd actually like to see a Hatterin. Um, maybe at number 10, um, attacking the fielder ahead of Van de Beek. I think that he could probably offer a bit more creativity and we'll see how he develops over the next year. And then, yeah, the front three, for me, preferred options right now would be Memphis, Malin and Bergvine. Um, and then you've got, you know, the likes of Promise, Bordeaux, Stings. And one that I'm very excited to see develop over the next year is uh, Joshua Zerksy. What happens with him at Bayern Munich? Does he start scoring goals left, right and centre for them and become an option for the centre forward position? Um, but yeah, I think that Memphis has it now. And it's got to be, take something very special to, to oust him from that position. Good choices, Mike. Um, and I've just realised, yeah, I was saying Tom Overyan from RZ for some reason at left-back rather than uh, Vindal, who I did mean to say. The RZ left-backs are getting very rusty in my mind already. It's been a long two or three weeks without football. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, the, I, I, I like your midfield choices. And for me, Tone Copeminers has to be someone who plays on midfield next to De Jong. I think those two could be brilliant in midfield together. Do you, do you think Cope Minus would stay at RZ for another season if he has European football as well at RZ? Or do you think he'd, he'd move on to a bigger club? I think he'd stay. I think that if the season ended now and AZ were heading into the Champions League qualifiers, then I think that you know, we need to wait and see what the transfer window, what happens with that, how much money you know, clubs have because some might be affected and it might end up being that you know, Bordeaux, Stengs and Miners all stay um, because there's not enough money to go around to, to sign these players because AZ aren't going to accept anything for them and um, they're all down on big contracts so I can't see them leaving for cheap um, and I think the lure of Champions League possibility that might keep them keep them in AZ because I think maybe they'll have something to prove again if the season does end now because they want to show that they were capable of winning the title and I think that They've got a great manager, they've got a great young team. I don't see why any of them would really need to leave. And with Euros being pushed back a year, they don't want to go to a club that 
you know, they fall out of favour and stop playing. So yeah, I can see them all, all remaining. I think we should move on to something um, that that was good news in the past month. And it, I'm going to come to a question from Graham on Twitter. And he was saying that firstly, it's great news that that um, that, that Apinura has come out of how his coma, uh, and that's just fantastic news, isn't it? He's not um, back to his normal self, but it's good that he's out of hospital. Yeah, it's great news. Um, I think a lot of sites maybe not misinterpreted it, but the fact is he's actually been out of a coma for quite a while. Um, I think that the update from his brother was a more of a general one for what's happened since it. Um, but he's not been in a coma for two years, like, like a lot of places have been been saying. Um, he's been awake for, for quite a while. It's just that, you know, the family are happy now that he's got a form of communication with his eyebrows and his smile. Um, yeah, so it's, it's good news that he's progressing and hopefully it continues to to get better and better for him. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's, let's hope that he continues recovery. Um, and the second part of Graham's uh, tweet said... Do you think uh, Nacho Univar will be ready to play for Ajax more often next season? So we've received another question about talents coming for next season in the Eredivisie. And I think one of the big ones will be Univar because is he going to be old enough, do you think, to make an impression for the Ajax first team? Or do you think he's going to be continuing to play with young Ajax? I think he'll switch between the two, but you've seen that you know, Gravenberch is already a first team player at Ajax and he's only 17, so there's no reason why if I can't come in and do a job, um, especially with Ziyech going, um, you know, I've seen Ajax sign a couple of new players already for the summer. And I think that Univar will, will make a couple of appearances in the first team. This is how he takes those opportunities and see um, how he develops over the next year. But I think he's an exceptional talent um, and one is definitely going to break into the Ajax first team, whether it's next year or the year after. Um, you've also got, you know, Santia Hansen, the striker as well. You know, them two could form a great partnership for Young Ajax next season and get a break into the first team. For me, I think that Unival will need another season with Young Ajax to really get those appearances in. Because someone such as uh, Jürgen Eckelenkamp, who had impressed with Young Ajax, but also Gravenberg as well, because he spent a long time playing for Young Ajax despite his young age. And only now are they ready to make those first team appearances. I think Univar's a sort of season behind both of them and made some development. But also, if you have those three young midfielders playing all together, that significantly reduces the average age of Ajax's midfield, but definitely the whole team as well. When you've got players just Dest already in the first team and Traore as well making appearances as a striker, Ajax don't want to significantly reduce the age of their team because they've, they've come to get coming to get a reputation now of being a regular in Europe that have a, uh, an experienced look about them that can carry them through these bigger games against the, you know, the Real Madrid's, the, the Chelsea's. So I think that it's important they don't introduce too many young players. But at the same time, you don't want them then going back to a sort of uh, an Ajax that happened under Frank de Boer where not enough youth players were given the chance and they went a bit stale. Uh, with a lot of journeymen in the team. So it's a balancing act. Let's see how Univar develops at the start of next season. And as you said, Mike, if he's given a couple of chances, he'll he'll want to make an impression to keep his place. And that comes on to our next question, actually, we received from James. And James' question said, who are the next generation of players to look out for next season? Univar's definitely one of them, and Ajax is certainly a club who we 
come to for these young players. But I, I recently highlighted on our website and our YouTube channel five RZ younger players who could be coming through next season. Motobuni is going to be a really good winger, um, a Dutch winger as well. But then outside of that, who, who are the names that we should be looking out for, Mike? Yeah, you know, the Netherlands is always full of talents coming through. And I think you've got Ajax and AZ right now are the two main academies that are really shining. I think that AZ, you've got Kenzel Goodmind as well. He's always been touted as being exceptional attacking midfielder. And we see him finally make a breakthrough into the first team next season. You, at Ajax, you've got Hansen um, in the bar. And Feyenoord, you're hoping that Gertruda gets more of a look in. Um, PSV, PSV is the one that you know, Noni Madueke is making a big impression at the moment. Um, the Englishman, I think he's only 17, 18, the winger. I think that he's going to have a big season next year. Outside of that, you know, there's a few, at, you know, here in Vain, there's Van Heide who I tipped to make an impression this season, but he's been kind of held back a little then. You know, I think have quite a few as well um, coming through, especially Van Cam is one to look out for, two brothers, um, there's an older one and a younger one, um, both midfielders, then they could have a big future. Um, yeah, I think there's too many to list, I think there'll be a list on the website coming into next season of all the talents to watch. I think that AZ and Ajax will have the, the pick of the bunch where Univar Hansen, Goldmine, and Tabuni if he gets a chance as well. Yeah, some good picks there, Mike. Uh, hopefully, Postuma has a chance at, at Honingen and in the coming year or two, because I know that Honingen haven't haven't had like a reliable strike for a long time, and they're they're constantly putting people in there to try and make an impression. And Postuma has had a decent chance with the loan of uh, Dacian Verdon, um, kind of having a kind of stalling now with the season being over, he could be given a chance next season. I was told by someone who, who works at Halen Vane that uh, Adain Schmidt is a, a really good striker um, who, who plays the under-19s at the minute there, but he could be someone who breaks through. Van der Heide as well, yeah, was someone who, who they also tipped. And I'm, I, I think there's quite a few players who, who are kind of unknown at the moment. We haven't really talked much about, about Verduch, I think that's how you pronounce his name, at Vitesse who's starting to make some appearances for their first team, but don't know how much potential he has. But there's lots of names that are always thrown around, but it depends how, how well they can adapt to first-team football. But always loads of players you can look out for, and yeah, I'm sure there'll be some kind of website um, when, the, when the new season begins, but who knows when that will be. Um, hopefully it's a normal time, and we're not having to wait a long time for that to begin as well. Uh, our final question comes in from Cam. And Cam was asking about the Beneliga. Shouldn't try and get it up. We did talk about this a little bit on the last podcast, I think, Mike, uh, about how there could be Belgium and the Netherlands coming together to make a stronger league. He asked what our thoughts and predictions were on the rumours. Um, do you see this as an essential and adequate long-term solution for the revenue gap between the bigger leagues? I think to cut a long story short, because we did cover this in the last podcast, do you think maybe the, the, the coronavirus situation could actually affect the outcome of this, seeing as uh, income 
could reduce significantly for Dutch and Belgian clubs in the in in these current in this current climate in the next few months. Yeah, um, I think that a lot of clubs are going to be hit by it. Um, I know the KNVB have basically come out and said that they're worried about a few um, actually going into real financial problems. You know, we've seen it over the past few years that there has always been some Dutch clubs that have gone into trouble. Um, right now, Rota JC are the one that they're worried about a lot, you know, languishing at the bottom of the second division um, and with no revenue stream coming in. It's a bit of an issue. Um, and I think, yeah, that there's an article put out yesterday that basically Ajax are the only club that's not going to be affected by this because they've got so much money in the bank um, from previous transfers. Um, I think, yeah, you'll see some clubs having to to sell a big name player um, in the summer to try and call back some of the, the loss that's made. Um, and it might be some emergency funding having to be put out by the KNVB. Um, and maybe a solution is to, to join the leagues and get bigger TV revenue. But I really hope not. I hope that the KNVB can find a solution that's not joining these leagues together. And I don't think that even if it was going to happen, this isn't a thing that's going to happen next year or the year after. This is going to take some careful planning that will probably be four to five years in the making. Um, so I don't think it's an immediate thing that's going to happen in the next couple of years. So it won't really solve any problems that coronavirus has, has brought up. Um, the, cl the clubs that are struggling right now are going to have to sort of try and sell some players definitely or try and get some some income from somewhere else because yeah, this isn't going to happen anytime soon. Well, fingers crossed that Dutch clubs can get some revenue back by being able to play those final games of the season. If that happens with, with, a, with a, a better situation across the whole of Europe, then the money could be clawed back. But it's difficult for all clubs. They're all having to suffer this, this problem without, without the TV money coming in, um, without crowds coming into the stadiums, particularly away from the Premier League. Because I think that even clubs in the Championship in, in England are having to take wage cuts, like 50% wage cuts, to try and, and help the situation. Well, anyway, I, I hope that something will develop soon and we can do another podcast, which is a bit more optimistic than this one. But either way, we hope that people who are listening have enjoyed this. And if so, give us a like and we'll uh, react to the demand. And if you would like more podcasts in the coming weeks and months, please do show us your support and we will give you some more content. Um, Mike, thanks for speaking with us today. And hopefully there's more soon. Yep, uh, everyone just stay safe. Yeah, that's the main message. Stay safe, stay well, so that you can continue to enjoy your football and your podcasts. Bye for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is he. Yeah, yeah. There is Klaassen. Goal!